Hey, 415. This episode talks about some foundations for writing on social media, including how to find our brand voice and how to decide on the style we want to use in our messages, you know, our captions, even if we are curating content, which we'll talk a lot more about next episode. We always want to make sure that it is aligning with a voice and speaking through a particular style. Now, the vision for this lecture is for us to visualize right, a brand voice for our projects and campaigns and then make decisions that create a consistent experience and story for our audience. I do have a Slido with a question and a QA option at the end. You can get there by looking at our slides in our Canvas shell, or you can just pop over to slido.com and the code for this session is 226-098. It is going to be open until next Saturday, October 30th. Let's go. All right, let's start with some foundations and then we'll get to best practices. Now, the foundations for social media writing, not that different from, you know, the foundations of writing more generally. You know, the biggest thing is we always want to keep the purpose and our audience at the front of mind. And of course, pay attention to things like grammar and correctness. It's really similar to writing a paper for, you know, a class or a proposal for a client. So bring over your general, you know, writing skills that you have gained. But with social media writing, the difference is just in the application of, you know, those those writing principles. And we do have actually six categories um, to specifically keep in mind for our social media writing. And when we talk about social media writing, it does mean the actual, you know, writing for a caption, subtitles you put on screen, you know, the, the writing there. But we can also think about social media writing a bit more abstractly in terms of all the messages that we are crafting whether you're putting it out in a more visual format, um, whether it's just a photo or maybe an infographic or even a video, um, you can all think about that in terms of writing. Um, and then, of course, the actual sort of written words on the screen as well. Now, the first category is about the content, right? And that's the post. Again, whatever kind of format it's in. Um, and we always have to align the message with the audience that we're trying to reach. We have to make sure the message aligns with the vision of our campaigns and, of course, the mission of the brand. And so, you know, the writing for this content, your first category, comes into play again with captions, text, subtitles, any of that. Um, and it's the first thing you think about with the post. And that's how we are creating the actual message of the post. So your first category, spend a lot of time obviously thinking about the content. It's in the brainstorming phases. It's in the creation phases. And then make sure we have some really strong kind of systems in place. So that way you can get that message right, get the copywriting right, and get the editing right before you publish it. Now, while we can go back and edit a published post to fix some, you know, kind of grammar or a mistype, specifically it's if it's in the caption. If that error is in the content itself, you know, that's going to be obviously a lot harder to fix and you're probably going to have to republish it. Um, but if we do need to go back and like fix a caption, 
we can do that. Just know that often the platforms, they seem to dislike edited posts. And a lot of times, you know, algorithms might deprioritize it, especially if you're editing a lot after you publish. Um, but also, you might be sending, you know, the wrong message. And if, if the audience picks up on that the first time around, you know, they might be a lot less likely to share or save or engage with your posts in the future. And so it's always better if we can avoid that issue in the first place, think about our content in a lot of different steps and ways and do some editing uh, with our writing and make sure the message is clear, it's correct, um, and it's exactly what we wanted it to be. So first think about our content. Then we also have to take into account our community, right? And that's really the expectations and the needs of the people we are talking to. So we want to think about how our content is going to meet their needs, be valuable for them. So for example, if we're in a community that responds really well to polls, right? Maybe they have some expectation and actually need to share their voice, uh, feel like they are really being heard, being a part of it, sharing their knowledge. Well, then we can think about how do we get more polls into our content, you know, or if the community likes to save posts, you notice that's kind of an expectation and need of the community, right? Then you think about, okay, how can I write more savable content into the strategy? How can our messages, you know, be something about, hey, save this, share this to align with the community? So content first, then think about how the content really aligns with the expectations and needs of your audience that represents your community. Culture is also wrapped up into community and content because we obviously need to be aware of the ways really the relationships form. And ultimately, culture is kind of about the dynamics of the group that we're talking to. We talked a little bit about, you know, researching and thinking about culture in our international campaigns. But keep in mind that every community has a culture associated with it. So if we're working for like an agency or maybe have multiple clients, don't take culture for granted, right? Because they are different brands. They have different primary audiences. They have formed different communities. And that means each brand is going to be operating in a little bit different in its own culture. And the dynamics right, of the group are going to be a little bit different. So take the time to think about what are the dynamics of the group, you know, what represents the culture, and then adapt, right, the writing for that culture. Also keep in mind different platforms have a little bit different culture and dynamics that are set up. Uh, so think about, you know, both of those kind of areas when we are writing content for social media. Now, number four, conversation. That's kind of the, right, active discussion feeds, threads, things that we create. And conversation is really, to me, the key distinction between sort of our work out of more public relations and content marketing compared to the more traditional social media marketing and advertising. And there's a reason your degrees are in, you know, journalism, public relations. There's a reason we're in a journalism and media communication sector and department and not with our friends in the business college and the marketing department. And that's because our writing, even if we're doing copywriting, which is kind of the advertising pieces of writing, need to center conversation, you know, above all else first. Because our goal over here is using social media not to just, you know, promote the brand. It's not just a place to say, hey, here's an ad. It's really a place to foster conversation and form long game kind of thinking way ahead, some lasting associations, loyalty with our brand. We do it through more storytelling and interaction. 
And so, you know, our departments going to work very closely together. It definitely helps to know traditional marketing um, kind of strategies and theory. But do keep in mind, we really care a lot about conversation in the way that we use social media in our writing, because a conversation is what's going to drive that interaction, that storytelling um, and build up the community. So that way, when your marketing team does put out you know, a straight ad, that community can already be primed and ready to hop on that sale or use that coupon. Not it. A conversation also relates to our social care, which we talked about at the beginning of the semester. It's how we respond to the community, as well as, you know, when we actually create content that sparks the conversation among our community group. So kind of think about how does the content that you're writing you know, allow for more of a two-way feedback loop and does it promote more user-generated content and, you know, how are you going to respond, you know, back to the community when they do share and they do, um, you know, leave comments and talk. And if you say, hey, you know, drop a comment with, you know, the favorite your favorite movie of this year, if you, you know, are maybe a streaming service or something, you want to also think about how you're going to respond back if they are start telling you what their favorite movie is. So you want to also show, right, that we're listening and that we want to be in the conversation with them to build more active discussion feeds. All right. So the first four content, we got to think about the actual message itself the community, what are the expectations and needs of our group, the culture, what is the dynamics of our group, conversation, how can we promote some active discussion feeds. Number five is creativity, which is really the process of generating novel content and applying our own experiences to produce something unique. And it's kind of creativity in a nutshell. And so our experiences are going to stem from our community's culture and the connection um, and, and link it all back to these conversations that we've created. And so combining those foundations actually helps us be more creative in the content we produce because it's going to be something unique and novel to our primary audiences based on our community and our culture and our conversations. Now, creativity can be a place that certainly separates maybe top agencies or the top social media managers and coordinators, like with, you know, all sort of skills. Some people are just more sort of attuned to that skill to begin with, but also like all skills, we can get better at it and we can do things to practice and grow. And creativity is a skill that we can grow. And even if you are sort of a naturally creative person, you can still grow that skill even more and kind of hone it. Um, and so we can practice and strengthen our creative processes by doing things like creating mock-ups, you know, after looking through even like a competitor's content. And this is, you know, not something you're going to publish anywhere. It's like a practice for yourself. So, you know, pick maybe a different industry even um, or another brand or something. Look through kind of what do you think their voice is? What do you think their audience is? And just create some like mock-ups. Get your brain thinking about new content, new connections, new culture in a different way that can help boost our creative thinking. Um, we can also... We will practice recycling, right, our actual brand's previous content for a new platform, right? And so that helps our creative process because now we have to think about a new kind of unique product that is going to fit this new platform. So that can be a great way to practice and force ourselves to kind of think in like a new way to present that content. You can also do little things like 
you know, block off 20 minutes every day. Maybe it's the last 20 minutes. Maybe it's the first 20 minutes you get into the office um, and try writing a short story, a poem, draw a picture, a doodle, like anything that's going to actually engage, right? That skill, that part of our brain and our thinking that's trying to apply experiences and express them in new, you know, kind of interesting ways. Um, You could go through brainstorming exercises as well. That's a creative kind of process we have to use. And so there's a lot of like random word generators online. You can just like find those, have a generate a word, and then practice creating a post or a caption that's about that word. It's just about practice and repetition um, to get better and better at that process and that skill. And so if you are really serious about, you know, this type of work or any kind of work that that in a creative industry, you do need to continue to practice and actually improve your creative thinking um, if you want to continue excelling and getting ahead. So creativity It's really just a skill of generating unique ideas and unique ideas come from understanding and sort of creating that intersection of your community, your culture, your past conversations, your experiences, who you want to connect with in the future. um, And that's where that content kind of lies. And then that final foundation, always keep in mind, of course, is the connection, that lasting feeling that our audience has for our brand and our content. And that connection is why content marketing um, and using social media in this strategic way, as opposed to just a platform to post ads, can be so valuable to companies and brands because it's how we're going to promote that connection, that kind of lasting positive association among the audience who then might help us get more audience, might help sway some people who are maybe a secondary audience um, and get them on board. Um, And so we want to monitor, listen through connection, through our outcomes. And so when we're, um, you know, thinking about our KPIs from last week, right, we have our outcomes and those are the attitudes and actions that we can measure. And we can also think about our impacts, the big picture contributions um, that we can also measure. And so with those kind of six categories in mind, we do have a few best practices just to help us make sure the content's exactly where we want. So we keep the foundations of, again, content, community, culture, conversation, creativity, and connection. And then, you know, kind of four stages, really that shape, and then reshape the content. Um, And so it's not necessarily a linear, like, step one, two, three, it really is more of a circle, a cycle. Um, So you could hop in at any stage of the cycle, then just, you know, keep kind of rotating through as you revise and brainstorm and rethink your content, um, just to make sure that it's going to hit all the markers that you want with your audience. And so again, not necessarily first, but we'll just start with, you know, grammar, spelling, Obviously, we gotta we gotta think about that, but it's more than just running a spell check necessarily, um, because first things continue to evolve, right? Our language is changing, especially on social media, right? Think of right thick, our traditional T H I C K, versus you know thick with two C's and what that means and how that you know appeared in different places on social media. Um, so you just always have to be thinking of that evolution. Same thing with like emoji usage, right? What emoji is kind of correct and has this meaning now? And that kind of changes on the generation as well as the time and the space that we're posting. So grammar, spelling, and just kind of your correctness 
are like words, of course, but also knowing, you know, what matches the platform and the culture that you're speaking to. And so we do have tools, things like Grammarly, definitely very helpful, especially, you know, with that more traditional written piece. Um, but go through and really think about and check and then recheck that you are literally saying and using the correct symbols and words and spelling of those words to get your messages across. Next is really thinking about, right, our style and tone of that content. And so we always have to align the style and tone with the overall voice. Now, the voice is the consistent reflection of your brand and the characteristics, right? You perceive your brand to have, you want people to see your brand as. Style is how you actually manifest that voice. And then the tone are the very specific kind of aspects of the personality we're injecting into the post. So voice is always going to match across all your posts, all your platforms. It's that really top level structure. Think of it like a vision statement. We've talked about those so much. Then style is how we go about creating that voice. So you can kind of think about style like goals um, are to a vision. And then the tone, again, is that very specific perception of your writing that's going to change the most often. So every piece of content you create is going to have a different tone and then might have a different style, but you'd always align with your brand voice. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you just have to really think about aligning right, your style and tone with your voice, but also match the purpose of the content and the message at hand. And that's where tone really comes in. And so as best practice, just check and reflect on, on how your things are aligning in those spheres. Um, Because when you, you know, deviate from the voice too far or, you know, people are not really here with the tone of your message, that's also where, you know, kind of social media crisis can come into play. Um, Or at least people will, you know, stop thinking of your brand as sort of authentic. Their experience will change um, and you risk some of that connection and sort of breaking the expectations of the community and disrupting our dynamics of the culture. Um. Kind of next, think about length and directness, particularly where your call to action hits and that your message is clear to understand. So you can build that connection. Um, Some brands, some platforms obviously allow us to have long content, um, but even that has its limits. You know, captions do have a limit eventually. You know, Instagram is like 2,000 characters. So you could write a long post, but people aren't going to read endlessly, even if they're really loyal and engaged with your brand. So check and reflect on just how long your content is and if it actually needs to be that length. Your answer might be yes. This is our brand. This is, you know, our voice. It absolutely has to be this long to explain it. And if your answers are yes, then great. But if the answer is no, then really, you know, check for maybe stronger verbs. That's a place we usually get a lot of length. And just be intentional with every single word. What do you mean by this word? Is that what you actually want to send the message across? Um, you know, and and just think about, right, our own social media habits. How often do we read that far past the first few lines of a long caption? Right? Sometimes we do. Oftentimes we don't. The general trend of social media is not so much, right? Um, you can reflect back to some of those reports 
where I was like, okay, the top engaged posts had actually very short captions. And there was like a murky middle and then super, super long captions had another um, peak in engagement. And that's because right, either super short, people like that, they read it, they find their call to action, they hit like, they do what you want them to. Or if it is super long, that's clearly part of your community and your culture um, for the group. And then in the middle, it's just like, oh, why? Why is it so long? Um, and so really think about that. And then last, again, not really last, but we'll talk about it last, is research. And that's just all about right, keeping our scientists in mind, knowing and anticipating how the facts, the hashtags you're using, and the message of our content might be received by the audience. So again, recall from our crisis communication um, episode, often a lot of social media crises could have been avoided with a little bit more research and thought into the context that the post was, you know, posted in and how the audience, you know, is kind of receiving it. Um, this is super important if you're trying to do something trendy with your post, right? So if you're trying to hop on some new trend or sort of cultural conversation, just really do some research and think about how it's going to be received. We obviously can't predict everything. That's why we have a crisis communication plan in place. Um, but our overarching environmental scan right, that we did for the brand um, and the campaign strategy at large, and then additional monitoring and situational analyses for that specific like trend that you're thinking about can help us anticipate those reactions, both from our primary audience and think about right the oppositional voices. Our oppositional voices might can be sort of against your brand no matter what, um, but thinking about them and trying to hedge what they might say um, can definitely help us write content that, you know, perhaps uh, inflames uh, that opposition less, right? So again, it's a cycle. We're thinking about grammar and spelling kind of at the same time that we're thinking about style and tone, that we're thinking about our length and directness and doing research and cycling back through to create kind of the best content that we can. Um, and so next, let's talk about some types of style, actually, that we can kind of get to and think about. Um, so first, it, it all goes back to voice, obviously. So voice is the vision, and it's, it's the top level framework for our writing, and everything should really relate to the voice. Um, and every brand and client is going to have its own voice. Um, and so your style is always going to connect back to that. Um, now, often, right? You're going to work with clients that already have a brand voice already established. And then you just have to think about what style is going to fit into that. But if you are starting a brand new social media presence for a client, um, maybe yourself, then, you know, we're going to have to guide them in identifying what that voice is before any other like style guides can come out. And so voice is really just the foundation that makes our client, our brand unique and recognizable across platforms and that kind of help us tell the story. And so if you're working with someone who doesn't necessarily have their brand voice yet, really get them to answer three questions. You know, how would you describe your brand if it had a personality? Right? Describe it like it was a person. How would they describe it? Write down the response. It's going to help us find some good adjectives. Two, how do people feel about the brand or how do you want them to feel about the brand? Again, those answers, responses help us understand our voice. And then third, what is the purpose of the brand, you know, and who are you resonating with? 
Um, and so taking into account the um, audience statement, right, our persona statements, taking into account their mission um, and their campaign vision, all are going to help really establish that voice. So as just an example, right, we're working through the Haley and higher ed sort of brand that I'm, you know, kind of considering using as an example, um, and I needed to establish a voice because it's a brand new thing. Um, and so I went through kind of each of the questions, and that helped me figure out the framework for my writing. So if it were a person, I would describe this brand as realistic and efficient, while also being thoughtful and kind. Right? That's kind of the, the type of person, right, my brand's voice would uh, come out of. And I want people to feel how much I value continued growth and investigation into what and how we can improve, particularly in higher education, right? And so that's how I want people to feel that I really value kind of growth and improvement. I also want them to feel capable and empowered to accomplish their own goals in higher education. And I don't want them to feel like I'm demeaning them or I'm braggy because I don't want people to then feel uninspired or dejected about their own goals, right? So it's ultimately a very kind of like uplifting and informative voice that's going to help people see us as realistic and kind um, and help them feel empowered and inspired. And last, you know, the purpose of the brand and who I want to resonate with are higher ed professionals, transitioning graduate students who are looking for advice, inspiration, resources, and ideas to help them make a positive impact as faculty and staff with more student-first and inclusive practices. So again, that answer really speaks to this now brand voice of uplifting, informative, maybe resourceful, um, all of those now are going to help me figure out the style. Um, and so by answering those three questions, right, we can actually create a framework for creating the rest of our branding and style guides. Style guides specifically um, are things that describe the framing and format of the messages. And they're going to have some, you know, examples of what tone is going to look like for each post. You also might have visual guidelines, depending on the platforms that you use. Style guides really depend on your client and where you work in terms of what they look like and exactly how much content you put in there. But they always are going to provide explanations on the voice, kind of define it a little bit, and really how to create that voice. And so I did post some examples in Canvas for you to look over. And then um, the mini project is really about style guides and brand guidelines as well. So we'll have plenty of examples uh, there to kind of look over. Um, but you can always just... A lot of companies even have it kind of posted um, if you if you kind of Google through. So just think about your style guide is how you're going to explain to other people in your team what the voice is and then how to, you know, manifest and create that voice. And there are, you know, a lot of words, obviously, that we have at our disposal. And it's really your job or whoever is setting the styles job to select which words specifically describe the way that we're going to be communicating our messages to the audience. So I have kind of nine of the really kind of common style and tone words. But again, it's ultimately up to you to actually define what it means for your brand um, to have that style and what that style is going to look like. And then the tone is the specific language you use in each of your posts um, and messaging to sort of create and embody that style. 
And so I created a alignment chart, right? If we just kind of think of it in terms of that, the lawful access kind of represents right value and sort of a system following some rules, expectations, and being able to plan ahead. Um, and the goodness axis represents sort of how much sort of we're out for ourselves or our brand compared to maybe out for the consumers a little bit more. Um, but don't think about it too hard. Just kind of a fun way to think about the nine very common styles on social media. So first we have like the lawful good in the corner that could be a very educational style, right? It's very planned. There's obviously clear expectations, rules, you know, but an educational style is going to be out for the consumer more. And that could be compared to the lawful evil, which would be a brand focused style. So an example, let's say we're a makeup company. If we provide just general tips, and don't, you know, directly talk about our specific products often, that could be more of an educational style. We're just helping our consumers and customers, you know, live their best selves with makeup tips. Um, And then hopefully they buy our brand because we helped them. Whereas the lawful evil, the brand focused style would say, and here's specifically how you use our makeup, you know, and have content that's always just about, here's our latest product and here's how you use it. Again, good versus evil. It's not this one is good and this one's bad. It just is where your style aligns for your brand and your voice. Um, So then the other corner, so we think about chaotic good and a chaotic evil. The chaotic good would be very audience focused. So you're just kind of going with the flow of the audience, going to be a lot more creating user generated content ideas, focusing on that style. So you don't have a lot of, you know, grip and pre-planning because... UGC, whereas the chaotic evil might be really snarky, right? And so it's uh, not necessarily super audience focused, definitely creating a very brand presence. Um, But of course, I mean, it's just snarky. It's chaotic evil. And then in the neutral lanes, we have things like inspirational, neutral good, conversational, probably the truest neutral. You're just creating conversation with your audience. Um, And then witty, could be kind of a neutral evil. You know, it's not quite snarky. It's just witty. Um, And then we also have lawful neutral could be very professional, right? You're not necessarily out for the good or the brand, but you are following, you know, kind of good uh, rules, I guess. Um, Conversational again, and then the chaotic neutral would be a more personality focused style. And personality focused means that you are personifying your brand. So your style is to right like your brand is a person and really develop a personality and it's kind of chaotic because people either love it or hate a personified brand it just kind of depends and again none of these styles are truly chaotic none of them are truly you know good or evil because we write out expectations for that style to be followed um, and we're always thinking about how it reflects on the brand so really the big thing is just think about which styles um, and sometimes you blend them. Best meet your brand's voice and align with your purpose. All right. And to wrap up, go to the Slido. And I want you to describe your campaign, the one you're using for your project, like a person. So what adjectives do you think of your brand's voice as? Let me know. Drop that comment. How do you describe your brand if it were a person? And then drop any other questions or comments that you have in the Q&A section. Thanks. I will see you soon.
Oh, 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 oh,